This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, January 17th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. The last few weeks in Iran may demonstrate more than just some ugly brinksmanship directed by the United States or a boneheaded or malicious downing of a Ukrainian airliner. Cato's Mustafa Akiol says the end of the Iranian regime should come, but the destruction of that regime should come from the people and not the U.S. military. Well, people who are following Iran really had very interesting things to see in the past couple of months. For First, there were important anti-government, anti-regime protests in Iran. Then came the killing of Qasem Soleimani, who's not a person we should any we should any tears to shed. He had the blood of many innocent people, Syrians and elsewhere. Uh, he organized many violent groups that man, did many terrible things, and the Iranian regime itself is brutal. However, uh, having said that, I always say that there's a very important distinction between the regime, a regime being very bad and the right strategy <laughs> against that regime. Uh, the Soviet Union was probably the worst regime ever, I mean, in, we've seen in recent history, but it didn't collapse of, because of US military action against it. It collapsed because its its system was bad and and it was doomed to collapse. And U.S. stood, stood strong. That was that was right, and also uh, showed what an alternative is. You know what the, what a free society looks like. So I think I I'm someone who hopes uh, to see the Iranian regime will collapse, but it's not going to happen with military intervention. Uh, it shouldn't, and if that is the case, that would be a big disaster for everybody. I think involved, it should collapse with, with the Iranian people. You know, ultimately getting more and more convinced. Now, as you said, I mean, the killing of Qasem Soleimani triggered various things, and one is that more millions of people out were out in the streets in Tehran for his funeral, which shows that there is some popular support for the regime. But that's always what we know. I mean. Authoritarian regimes are there because a part of the population supports them. And then another part you know, opposes them. And that part is tortured and, and silenced and oppressed. That's what nature of uh, tyranny is. Now, what we're seeing is that uh, with, the, with the downing of a plane, we're seeing again anti-regime people in Iran taking the streets. Some people refuse to walk over Israeli and American flags they, as they typically do you know, in Iran to protest those. So Iran is boiling, basically. And I think the regime's reaction shows incompetence. Uh, they couldn't organize a funeral. Like more than 50 people died in stampede. So that is something in itself. Uh, plus the downing of a plane in a, in a situation like this, an innocent passenger plane is a big embarrassment. At first, they denied it. You know, that's another thing to put. Iran is in turmoil. And I hope we might be seeing the beginnings of the end of a regime, but I, I think this should come from the people, but not from military intervention outside. So uh, the Islamic Republic has ruled uh, Iran for, for 40 years, for yeah, just over 40 years. What were they going for in terms of Islamification of uh, Iran and what? how do you evaluate the results of that now? I think the story of the Islamic Republic in Iran is a good lesson uh, for anybody who thinks that the religious regime is good for religion itself. It isn't. 
if you want to keep your religion respected and pure and moral, keep it out of politics and don't you know, establish a regime based on it. That's the lesson. Why am I saying that? The Iranian regime, well, the Iranian revolution was against the Shah, which was a westernizer, modernizer, but was an autocratic ruler. His tortures were notorious. So Shah was an autocrat. There's not a, so there's, there was a legitimacy of the revolution against the Shah. But ultimately, the Iranian regime turned out to be even more brutal and oppressive than the Shah. It's like the Tsarist regime in Russia was really bad, but Stalin was way worse. So still, I mean, the Iranian regime tells people how evil was the Shah and how brutal, brutal his torture chambers were. Well, people are going through the Iranian regime itself, the Islamic so-called regime itself for 40 years, and they say, well, we've seen this and this is worse. And... This triggered a reaction not against the regime, but against Islam itself, because they are almost the same thing. <laughs> if you're living in Iran, uh, the regime just pushing religion onto you and your reaction to the regime is turning against itself. That's why Iran is the number one country that produces ex-Muslims, people who leave Islam and become sometimes Christians or atheists or, you know. Uh, somehow become apostates from Islam, which is the very thing that they want to avoid. Uh, that is why uh, people just don't leave Islam but become antagonistic towards it. And I've seen so many of that among uh, Iranians uh, living in the West. Uh, and and also you turn religion into a joke. I mean, after the Qasem Soleimani killing, the Iranian regime popularized these posters where Qasem Soleimani is greeted in heaven by prophet Muhammad and martyrs and the opposition made alternative posters he's greeted in hell by the you know people of hell which includes uh, Gaddafi Adolf Hitler Stalin Gaddafi uh, Saddam Hussein and so on and so forth so i think uh, the the lesson will be that theocratic theocratic regimes actually don't even serve the theology that they supposedly try to uphold what 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 do you see as the opportunity within Islam for an enlightenment style event. That is a lot of uh, Muslims have seen, you know, some pretty horrific oppression being undertaken uh, in the name of Islam, as a lot of Christians saw horrific oppression being undertaken in the name of Christ uh, in, you know, hundreds of years ago. Uh, is that opportunity there? Is there a clean parallel that, that can be drawn? Well, thanks for that question and that analogy, because that is the beginning uh, point of my new book. You know, we will probably talk about that as well. Reopening the Muslim mind for reason, freedom, and tolerance. As you said, uh, Europe was not a very liberal place for a long time. I mean, if you looked at Europe at the 17th, early 17th century, you would see Protestants and Catholics killing each other for their sect, and you would think that this is hopeless. But then things started to change thanks to the Enlightenment, thanks to ideas of freedom, toleration, pluralism. And uh, the same may happen in Islam. And actually, I believe we are seeing maybe the beginnings of that here and there. I recently wrote an article in the New York Times, a new secularism appearing in Islam. Uh, the idea of secularism in terms of separating religion from politics, in, in terms of having liberal secular states, that is gaining more and more appeal. And I'm not saying this, this is seen in the polls made in the Arab world. That is very visible in Turkey, my country. In Turkey, 
President Erdogan is also another, you know, person who uses religion very uh, extensively in his political propaganda. Some people think Turkey is going through a kind of Iranian style, you know, Islam coming back scenario. It's not as tough. It's not as explicit, but there's a little bit of that. But the result of this being, this has been that in Turkey, the people who don't like President Erdogan's ruling party begin to not liking religion too. There's a strong rise of deism in Turkey, which is, you know, the enlightenment idea of having, believing in a God, but having no religion, that has become a fashionable thing in Turkey, as I wrote. So um, when you look at the Muslim world, there are a lot of dark spots that you, that would make anyone concerned, anyone who believes in freedom and, and, and uh, toleration concerned, but also precisely because of these dark spots, there are Muslims who are taking the right lessons. Having seen ISIS made a lot of Muslims think that, wow, I mean, if you go down this road of combining religion and state, this is the kind of monstrosity that it might end up. So we should rethink these things. So I think Islam is going through the, these births, birth pangs of, I think, new ideas. And, and, and it's, it's important to see them and not to think that it's all monolithic and one thing and never changing. Mustafa Akiol is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. And now a shout out to two of our podcast sponsors, Edward and Gisela Lloyd. Thank you for your generous support of the Cato Daily Podcast and the Cato Institute. We don't take government money. And your generosity enables us to keep promoting ideas of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. So thank you. You can subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.